This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Marrow Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com, M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things, Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcast, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. So I hope everybody's staying warm. Of course, my guest is in Arizona or somewhere out west, so I'm sure he's staying warm. I have snow on the ground here, so I'm trying to stay warm, but that's far from relevant tonight. My guest tonight is text futurist for innovation, courage, and ethics, Steve Surfero. With more than 30 years' experience in the security industry, um, Steve is the chairman of Public Safety Working Group for Security Industry Association and has published many articles in, in, in security industry publications and delivers industry-accredited sessions each year from the Americas to the Middle East to Asia. In addition to his, and it's too long a bio. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I'm trying not to trip over. I'm trying to get these words in the right order for you because I see they're pretty important. But in addition oh, to the, the security knowledge, Steve is also interested in the paranormal, which we'll get to. Steve, we're looking forward to an interesting conversation. Welcome to the report. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great, Jim. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm honored that you have me. It's, wow, you you're really so prolific. Well, thank That's you, amazing. sir. Okay, so give me a little bit. I mean, I said over thirty years. So, what? Take me back. I don't want. To, I don't want to date this, then, right? But take me back. What got you interested in technology to start with? All the all those years ago. Well, you know, I started off. Uh, I mean, I graduated as an engineer uh, in New York City. Worked worked in uh, the electrical engineering and structural engineering, and then into data acquisition uh, and. Uh, then ultimately I wound up in the security industry doing these pretty tall buildings in New York City, <laughs> including the old trade center and the new trade center and the New York Stock Exchange, and then went on to uh, doing a lot of stadiums. And yeah, I did a pyramid, Luxor, yeah, 6,000 cameras there. Spent eight months in Las Vegas doing that. Well, wait, but, wait. Uh, I, I've got to jump in real quick. Is it harder to do a stadium or a, a, like a World Trade Center? Both. <laughs> no, come on. I yeah. asked a very specific question. I wanted to, I want an answer. Which one's harder? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. The last stadium I did was this stadium, uh, which was uh, in uh, St. Louis. And, and essentially, you know, just uh, – designing and managing a security system project that would provide video surveillance over the entire uh, stadium plus game day cameras that look at you while you, uh, you know, root for the Cardinals or whoever. <laughs> and on the other end, you know, maybe it's, uh, let's see here, the Trade Center, it was primarily uh, lobby stuff onto other floors and then uh, New York City Transit, Quite a lot of cameras there. I'm just, I'm, and, I'm, I'm going uh, to answer the question for you. I, I hear the answer. Stadiums have got to be harder to secure because there's so many people going different directions and big crowds up in the um, the concourses. They're a huge challenge. They're a huge challenge. But uh, the bottom line is that you know the uh, the threats evolve, and probably the biggest uh, threats are fights in the stands and you know, potential shootings. But it's it's really uh, more of finding out where it is, uh, looking for it, and then responding. So uh, that has evolved. 
I dragged a couple of companies uh, kicking and screaming into projects like that, and then they loved me. Loved me about it. You know, so it was. Uh, these were these were incredibly interesting and amazing experiences. Uh, you know, one of the companies that I worked for for 14 years that was the best job in the world was Panasonic, and uh, wow, just uh, just an amazing company. And you know, of course, the Japanese Asian culture, just group of amazing people, and you know. In that case, they didn't want to necessarily uh, invest in a project like that because it would take a huge amount of time. But they saw the light, and um, we wound up uh, doing the project. Really, really great things like the Luxor uh, in Las Vegas, and oh my God, just so okay, uh, just a lot of stuff around the United States. So I, I've anyway. got to ask this stupid question. Why is it when my local, um, I don't want to say newspaper because they're online only, I don't know, but for the lack of a better conversation for this point, they're in the newspaper, right? When they post a shoplifting picture from Walmart, it looks like I took it on my Nokia 6100. It's so bad. We can get pictures from... Yeah, because they did. (laughs) We can get pictures from Pluto that are high definition and clear as a bell. Why? Why? Okay. So here's the skinny of it, and I will always be honest with you, Jim. Uh, you know, Target, Walmart, these companies have roughly about 26,000 cameras that are uh, over all over the United States. And these are in a state of different generations. Quite often, they're uh, purchased you know, to meet a primary responsibility and, uh, you know, just to quite often not for loss prevention, but uh, just to initiate an investigation. It's a tool like anything else. So they're in various stages of not being high definition and uh, perhaps some of them might actually be analog cameras uh, still that, you know, are subject to all noise and things like that, but most of them have been replaced. The other thing is uh, companies in many, many cases, especially in the retail environment, have to spend as little as possible on a maximum number of cameras. And the problem is that, you know, tech futurists like myself will come along and ask for the world and tell them, hey, you've got to spend... You know, $600 on a camera, but they have $200 uh, per camera to spend. Now, that's changing. So with companies like Ring and great processors inside of those cameras that actually do that job very, very accurately for the consumer, it's putting a lot of pressure on the security industry just to do better for the amount of money. So that's happening. That's in progress. But what's really happening is that the companies that have been involved with AI and that are doing wonderful things in the autonomous vehicle industry, you know, the self-driving industry that is on a whole nother standards level, they are bringing the public safety and the security industry up. So, Stay tuned for that, and that will that will that will essentially level a playing field until artificial intelligence gets widely accepted in that industry, and you know privacy considerations are assuaged a little bit, you know, so that we can protect ourselves a lot better. But yeah, it's bad, you know. You can. It looks like your Nokia phone. Still. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get after it. Duckpawnshop.com. Let's get after Duckpawnshop.com. Okay, here we go. Elon Musk versus Twitter. Well, not versus Twitter anymore. They're, he's not suing them. He owns the place now. So it's Elon Musk and Twitter. Okay. So you're a futurist, right? How? Give right. Me the, <laughs> get your crystal ball out. Shine it up. Is, is Twitter going to be here in... 10 years? 
Uh, yes, but not necessarily in the same form. So uh, one of the things that uh, Twitter used to do, and, you know, keep in mind, Elon Musk is a business a fusion of a business genius and uh, technologist and a little boy. So he has to have fun. So one of the ways that he's going to uh, really have a lot of fun is by getting people to use the data. You know, the interesting thing about Twitter is what stopped happening about five years ago. So there is a thing called the Twitter firehose that companies used to use a great deal and public safety professionals used to use. And they could essentially find out when a gang event was going to happen before it did. Uh, that specifically in the city of Chicago, very, uh, very poignant city of Chicago, uh, about six years ago. I'll never forget the day I was uh, speaking at an uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police conference. We were done with the conference. We were out to, to dinner. And the look on the lieutenant's face, he is the lieutenant of the uh, OEMC, which is the Emergency Operations Center for the uh, city of Chicago. He said, they shut down the fire hose. And basically what that means is that what the city of Chicago is being able to do was to monitor gang language plus location information plus predictive policing. And they were incredibly proud of it. You would, you would be shocked at the tree diagrams that they had of, uh, gang networks. It, it just was essentially like, a digitized law and order SVU in three dimensions. <laughs> well, Elon Musk is a businessman, so he's got to make money on this. So what's going to happen with Twitter is that, yeah, there's the monetization, there's the infighting, uh, you know, there's the individuals, but that's not where the money is going to get made. So while everyone is thinking about blue chip mark, verification, you know, and things like that. And he quits back at AOC, just pay your $8 a, a month, you know? I was going to say $8 a day. But uh, <laughs> the reality is that while AOC is going to need to pay her $8 a month, companies, he wants, he's looking into companies that will pay $8 a day for the use of the data, but protect it. And this fire hose is going to be rich. He wants to, to do good all the time. And what has been missing from the crime fighting, and you're a crime fighter, you're a crime criminal investigator, you know, uh, you know about a lot of this stuff. What's been missing about criminal investigations and, uh, real-time monitoring of active shooter events is the ability to react in real time to rich information. So that rich information has uh, been suspended to many, many companies. There are a couple of them left that still uh, utilize it and package it and give it uh, as a subscription service to uh, companies that want to take a look at tweet clusters throughout the world, but there is an entire ecosystem of research by behavior and threat assessments throughout the world, global threat assessments, and the real-time analysis of these tweets as being meaningful. And that has some incredibly stark ramifications for our culture. It essentially allows you to save lives. This is where his satellite network, his terrestrial and global space satellite network and Twitter collide. So I believe that his satellite network will get even better. And it will get better because 
uh, Rivada is going to be coming on strong in about uh, two years, and they are laser communication-based. And basically what will happen is that that those comms are going to be able to make global communications a great deal better. So I don't know if it's going to be called Twitter or whatever, and I don't really know if it's going to split up into virtual services, et cetera. Uh, you know, the traditional view is, you know, consumer and then industrial. You know, there'll be an industrial version, and then there'll be, there'll be a consumer version. He's got to make money. That's his path to making money. So that will happen. And as long as he can re-enable the fire hose and the ACLU stays off of his back. <laughs> the ACLU is just in our country, you know. Oh, so it'll be fine. So let's do this. Let's shift gears. Brought to you by Evergreen Podcast on evergreenpodcast.com easy for me to say like it's, I've read it before or something shifting gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com okay so we were just talking a little bit um, earlier via direct message via Twitter so that's obviously why we started this whole mess so you were you you mentioned to me that you had uh, a point to make between Elon Musk and paranormal investigators so we're going to shift the focus because I've primed my few listeners here on the duck pond my live people, I wave hello to them, even though they can't see me. Um, about Please, paranormal you're going to have to cut me off at the knees. About paranormal you know, stuff here. So here we go. To- these topics are great. <laughs> yeah, so go, no, go for it. What what what, are, what is Elon and paranormal investigators on calling? Okay. It's, it's not six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's nearly so. So the Model Y, something happened in November that was tremendous. One million model of 40, let me see if I can get this right, 4678 uh, or something like that. That's a model battery, a revolutionary battery that essentially, instead of having uh, what the Model S, ha- uh, model S has, which is a quantity of 4,000 uh, 18650 batteries, which are slightly larger than a AA battery. Essentially, this battery is uh, about 46 millimeters in diameter and 68 high, so it looks like an overgrown D-cell battery and essentially doubles his range for the Model Y. A million of them were shipped to Giga in Texas, his Giga factory in Texas, and they got deployed in these vehicles. Well, the interesting thing is that, and uh, uh, you and I tweeted about this, and I think you retweeted it, uh, is that he allowed his employees to purchase vehicles with this great new battery. And a lot of people don't realize this because, you know, a lot of, he, he has the model has to sell. And, you know, these cars are very, very expensive. And uh, the Model Y is, you know, upwards of 70K. But that Model Y with that battery is absolutely amazing. And that battery, that single battery is so powerful for uh, devices, static devices, sensors, etc., that you can essentially place everywhere. You no longer need a power source. You no longer need to recharge the battery. Imagine a paranormal sensor, a REM pod, that essentially be powered by for 10 years. I, I can't imagine it would charge for like an hour because every time I put a battery in something, it dies within an hour. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a pain point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? It's incredibly annoying. So these, these batteries are just going to revolutionize things like a- any kind of sensor that you use. And if you if you go down the list of sensors for the paranormal, you know, you've got EVP recorders, you've got geoports, you know, REM pods, vibration sensors, amazing multi-spectra devices. Well, one of the things that's been holding the paranormal detection industry back is the power tool on these devices. 
So, you know, scientists like, you know, investigators like yourself and scientists like uh, KD and Shane, you know, from uh, these different uh, travel channel, 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 uh, very entertaining series are essentially, you know, they're modifying and using the existing sensors and they're not really spending a lot of time on the power management. So that all goes away. So you can essentially mass produce. It opens the, the door for low power sensors of all types. In fact, the type of sensor, and this is, this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I think we had an email exchange about it, is that modern microcomputers like the Arduino and Raspberry Pi, which are very tiny devices that are actually now the size of postage stamps, have incredibly powerful processors with incredibly low power consumption. The type of sensing circuit, believe it or not, that uh, is... It's like on a Rempod or a Geoport. Now, will be on a device that is two inches in diameter, and you hook it into one of these batteries, and you will most likely not have to charge it for weeks. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so, I've got this picture in my head, which is just you're gonna I'm laugh. At now this. you can place these sensors everywhere. I was going to say, you're going to laugh at this, you know, because I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, yeah, everything's getting smaller, right? And then I get that old picture, the the room full of computers. In a building, instead of just three. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be amazing if if everything gets smaller and cheaper. Yeah. Right? Yeah, if if everything gets smaller and cheaper and able to um, last longer, win, win, win. Yeah. So, essentially, what's going to wind up happening is that the cost is going to go way down on these types of sensors, and the ability and the way that uh, we use them is going to mimic the way that we look at a smart city. So, essentially, the concept of, you know, industrial security, industrial surveillance in the past has been spend a lot of money on each device and be very careful of your selection of the devices. What is happening and what's been happening, I've been going to the CES Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas uh, every January for the last 22 years. And uh, uh, basically what happens every year is that there's a leap forward in sensor technology and sensor processing technology and about six years ago, something magical happened, and they started a smart city effort. So essentially, all of these small sensors are starting to crop up all over these cities. So imagine if your paranormal investigation in a building was like a smart city. That's what's going to happen. And the sensors are going to be multi-types of light, different types of energy, so... You know, whereas you may have been focusing on electromagnetic sensing. Well, you know what? Maybe you're going to need to take a look at the gamma spectrum, you know? So, <laughs> Maybe you're not going to have to limit yourself. So I'm sitting here listening to this, right? So I'm, I'm wiring my house with new cameras and new sensors and for EMF and gamma and full. we could go full-spectrum cameras and, and AR, or a, AI, and I want to get... You know, or AR rights, and then get the AI because AI could pull all this data, right, and be like, oh, at nine fifty twenty-five, a big truck went by, so that shadow was the truck. Delete or no, right. right? AI could, you know, if we get this all programmed together, but at two thirty-two a.m., something, this whatever, this temperature change, this light, this shadow, we don't, the the system doesn't have an explanation for that, and that just took all my. 12 hours of investigating and my 40 hours of reviewing all these cameras and footage hoping to get something down to oh I got an email from my, my house sensor and oh that's oh. 
Right. So here's here's the amazing thing about AI. Uh, AI as opposed to what we call legacy analytics. Legacy analytics, you have to know what you are looking for. And it was contained in a library. And you would be referencing that library over and over again. And, you know, maybe you got a little bit better at it. With what they call referential artificial intelligence or convolutional neural networks in the case of computer vision and audio, we haven't even talked about audio, which is actually going to be far more mature than uh, light AI or computer vision in a very short period of time. That, they don't have to, you don't have to have a preconceived notion of what you're looking at. So the amount of processing that you're able to do and the ability to learn and train your library is going to happen. It's going to be transparent. So as long as you have a software provider that has coded this, and one of the great things about DIYers is that it's a massive community, Jim. Oh, yeah. So it is, it is massive, and they love a good challenge. So that code is going to go. Oh, cloud processing is going to happen in the cloud. Yeah, and I'm so just going to I'm just going to hack a home security system code and make it read exponentially more uh, sensitively. Yes, you could. You could. And you should be doing that. So, hence, my comments was paranormal scientists are the greatest DIYers in the world. The reason is that they're so connected to the way the sensors work, and they understand what I call differential technology, differential sensing, which basically means sensing of all different types. You know, our public safety industry, our security industry has been very, very focused on video surveillance. And, you know, audio has been out of the question because, because of privacy considerations. The reality is, if you take a look at the paranormal industry, you've got folks that are using EVP for audio, energy, EMF, visible light, the new, uh, what is it, SEK, S-E-K, uh, camera technologies, uh, somewhat of a low cost. They're actually using, believe it or not, I was on the phone with one of uh, my AI software providers, wonderful young lady and her CEO, and we, we happen to be talking about aerial AI analysis and markets for them. And one of the great things about it is that it's, it's about the sensor fusion. So in other words, all of this data is not just, is not necessarily just collected and mined, but it can be analyzed in real time. And here's the kicker of it. A really, really good guess is made. So instead of discrete object detection, it's able to do a really great guess. So now with the camera where you have like a little skeletal camera, you know, that's detecting, you know, very, very advanced. They're using something very advanced. I've been seeing that. Uh, and this is actually it's, what's amazing in the paranormal investigations. They're actually using skeletal detection or pose detection more than the security autonomous vehicle industry, which essentially autonomous vehicles uh, are looking to use pose detection so that you can determine the direction that somebody is riding a bicycle or walking across a an intersection. And I turn on the television, I turn on the travel channel and oh my God, there's a skeletal detection analytic right on my T V. 
And I said, they're already using this. So that's a wonderful thing. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful that they're using different types of sensors. It's teaching other industries a lesson. And it's, you know, just like, uh, let's see here, three years ago, AirNOS, A-E-R-N-O-S, I reported on this. You can actually do a search for my last name in that, and it'll come up with some interview of a wonderful swept-wing unmanned aerial surveillance device with a wildfire detection sensor that could deliver advanced wildfire information as well as, you know, where where first responders are located. So, you know, this, as well as visible light and thermal imaging, so this stuff saves lives. So going back to our original statement, Elon Musk and paranormal, it's about the power. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, it's all good. That's good. Answer each question. No, that's fine. Hey, that, that makes it easy for a host, and I, I think everybody's okay if you uh, take the time to answer the question because you've provided a lot of inf- information in there. So that's all good. Um now my question, I mean, we've kind of dabbled all around the all these different like AI, I'm interested in AI because I'll be yes. honest. Okay, now I'm going to tell you what I did last week, and you're going to laugh at me. I, you know, I've been doing this show for a number of years, and people call me old school and all you know, like all these things because, like most people, you get in these habits of doing things a certain way, and you just keep doing them because it's the way you've always done it. And somebody said, "Hey, mm-hmm. you can get out. There's this website where you can go, and they'll do show notes." And transcription for you, for free, AI wrote, right? And I said, I'll give it to me. I'll try it. Free, I'm in, right? That's the right price point for me. And I send Michelle <laughs> off to this thing, and I get it back, and holy junk, it is so bad. It's it's laughable. I, I didn't realize yeah. I, had, I, I, real, I didn't realize I had Dr. Phil on, and he, his name was mentioned several times. And I'm like, are they going for, like, I almost just wanted to post it because of, uh, he was one of many celebrities mentioned. And I'm thinking, this would be like SEO gold because I've got like hundreds of things just name drops in here. I mean, it has nothing yeah. to do with the show, but hey, whatever. But I was interested to see that the program's there because now that the program's there, obviously it's going to get better. It will. It will. Um, there's, you know, one of the reasons that it exists is to make their NLP or natural language processing engine better. And, you know, the interesting thing is, uh, yeah, you know, there's a reason that you hadn't used it before. You know, somebody very, very intelligent was, was telling us to use it yet, you know. <laughs> Perhaps you didn't want that uploaded to the cloud, to the natural language processing cloud, Uh you know, yesterday's telecon with uh, another AI provider, we happened to be talking, and then all of a sudden, her Siri started yelling at her. It was pretty funny. It, it, it And she starts yelling at her phone. And, and I said, Natalia, it's really, it's okay. This happens to a lot of folks. You know, this is one of the reasons why that I never engage Siri. Okay. <laughs> it's not that Siri it's not that Siri is bad. It's just that Siri ha- takes a while to learn and you have to be patient with Siri. It's literally like bringing up a child. You know, and a lot of folks don't necessarily need another child or pet that's in the form of a smartphone. They've got enough. But, you know, then again, some people don't have anything else to do, and they interact way too much with their phones. <laughs> they have well, no problem. I, I, I was thinking about this because, okay, so in the month of December, I have my two kids and my wife coming on the co-host shows with me, with different topics they're interested in and all this fun stuff. But, so my son sends me a video the other day about Amazon tomorrow, okay? It's a spoof, it's a satire video, right? It already knows, the AI program knows that, you know, you've had your shoes nine or 
six months, so you're you're going to be looking for shoes. So they already send you shoes, right? <laughs> I mean, they're there before you know. Yeah. Like this video is so well made; it's so funny because they're the wrong size and the wrong color. But the guy tries to send them back, but AI is so smart at you know it keeps sending them different shoes, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, my son, you know. And finally, the guy just says, "Enough! I'm done. I'm not sending any more back. I'm just gonna wear these ones, like." <laughs> Because he keeps getting different ones. No, I want Yay's kicks. <laughs> and I'm like... Don't send me that. And I'm like... But there is some truth to that. We're going to get to the point where it's going to become... Cr- I mean, people already think, you know, they see the ads, you know, that are on Facebook or wherever about something they may or may not have talked about in front of their phone. And But I'm thinking in the next five years, it's really going to get creepy. Yeah, it's, you know... It's already, it can be already creepy, but you know what? It is, I look at it very, you can look at it a couple of different ways, a few different ways. You can think that it's really, really creepy or leverage the hell out of it. You know what? Embrace it and realize that, you know what? This is going to help my life and let me use it instead of, you know, the other way around. I mean, the Chinese use it for the art of war. They've already gamed the Taiwan conflict. It's which is terrible, but uh, the they gamed it over and over again. We'd like to think that we're advanced in AI, but you know, we're very much afraid of it. And you know that uh, moniker that tendency has spread throughout the United States, Canada, and Europe. Rest of the world? Oh, and uh, Australia and uh, New Zealand also. But the rest of the world? Israel, Middle East, Asia, Africa. They have embraced it big time. In fact, what I think is just amazing is uh, uh, like one of the trends organizations over in the UAE that I have written for, they actually have a, a an am, amazing uh, program to have AI playgrounds that are public, that are encouraged by the government. You know, we don't have a counterpart like that here. We have to have independent people uh, like J.L. Mastery, who's over in Australia, he's a PhD in Australia, who uh, I essentially trained under, and I understood the code. And a lot of folks don't are not able to do that. And the best way of getting comfortable with it is to play with it. You know, get your Arduino, get your Raspberry Pi, and start learning Python. Now there's such an easy Python. It's called Circuit Python. So it essentially almost codes itself, and you'll be able to place this little sensor, as I've done, out in your mailbox with a tiny LiDAR sensor. Finally, the mail has arrived. Okay. <laughs> now, why do I want to know that? Because it's it's like this, this thing with the postal service guy. You know, if I get something in from Japan that requires a signature... How quickly can he put the door tag in and run away? <laughs> it is literally, it is literally, I have had to, when I know that they're coming, I have to keep the garage door opener open and get ready to bolt. And the ring cameras have such a latency of about 30 to 45 seconds till you get the notification that it doesn't work. So, you know, I read about a very easy deployment with a little microcomputer, a little LiDAR sensor. LiDAR is, you know, the uh, tiny lasers come out. They're called time of flight, which, by the way, paranormal. Yeah, I, I was just sitting here thinking. To use. I was going to say, I was just sitting here thinking, you and your mailbox and paranormal investigators everywhere who are picking up things trying to pick up movement in real time, and you're already doing it. I mean... Not for paranormal. Well, that, <laughs> Jim, that 
Paranormal Mystery is already doing it. I know. Four years ago, I, I'm sitting around a conference room table arguing with a group of folks about a curriculum at a trade show, and I'm saying, folks, you know, LIDAR is the bomb. It's really, really great. Uh, you know, it's not ready for prime time. Boom. Next year, LIDAR is in the iPhone. Okay. <laughs> like, boom. I got an email. Hey, Steve, did you see so-and-so did an acquisition of this LIDAR company? You know, it's kind of like, you know, during the one of those movies of the Cold War uh, where they're running down the hall and they've just learned something and they go into uh, the president's office and they say, so-and-so, you know, just started the Cuban Missile Crisis. We know. <laughs> we know already. Well, you know, but it's that's... funny. I, I was reading uh, John Rockefeller's book and it took him four days, four days to find out the Civil War started. Oh, my God. Latency? kills <laughs> it's seriously it's uh and quite often it's not dementia it's stubbornness you know it's, it's really it's really really bad decisions but the funny thing is once again paranormal investigators doing a great job meanwhile you know the tesla autopilot which yeah, you really shouldn't be using anyway but the Tesla autopilot leverages about 16 LiDAR and radar sensors on the vehicle. So actually Tesla has been using uh, radar more uh, for its uh, external object detection, plus the computer vision and other companies have been using LiDAR a great deal. But you get the idea. Yeah, so it's, I've, got a, I've got a self, well, almost, well, it's a self-driving car story, comma, not Got a brand new Subaru Ascent. Love it. It's got lane detect. You know, if I go over the line, a fraction of an inch, it starts beeping. It's got the auto adjust cruise control. If I get too close to the car in front of me, it starts slowing down. But it's also got this lane assist, right? I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, I got on the interstate by myself one day, right? Big straight, straight stretch of road in Pennsylvania is hard to find, but I found one. I'm like, put that on. And I took my hands off the wheel, and 10 seconds later, it starts beeping and carrying on like it's having a spasm. Put your hands on the steering wheel. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's good. It is. I was like, That's oh. Good. You know those? I was like, oh, okay. So we're going to, okay. <laughs> That's good. You shouldn't be You shouldn't be. <laughs> I know I shouldn't Thinking be. Thinking that it's autonomous. This is I know. I know it's not, but I just wanted to, you know. I just wanted to see if it would stay in lane. Oh, well, you saw it on a commercial. No, I don't watch too many commercials. That's good. That's good. There's a commercial that I yell at all the time. It's it's like they're starting to clap their hands to a song, and the guy is changing lanes and overtaking a semi-tractor trailer? <laughs> no. I'm like, no, no, it's it's what we call SAE level three. It's not level four. Level four is autonomous. We are not at autonomous yet. Oh, my God, I'm dropping off my wife. Uh, she's a nurse at uh, a children's hospital. And a Tesla on autopilot is coming down the center of the road. <laughs> well, bless your wife, first and foremost. But... I'm I'm from Western Pennsylvania, so I get to Pittsburgh often, and I see all of the um, the Ford and the different companies that are trying to be autonomous on, on all the time. So my, my life is like, are you worried about getting hit by one? I'm like, no, because there's money there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, get a dash cam. <laughs> so I'm I'm very serious. This is this has been a life, you know a life-changing moment for me. It is, uh, I mean, I was at CES last year, and uh, one of the processor manufacturers that I've been routinely visiting, Amborella, so what a, what a great company. They're the company that has 
the processor inside of the Ring HD camera. Uh, absolutely fantastic uh, processor, very low power. Obviously, you don't have to change your Ring camera battery, you know, for a month, yet it's somehow detecting that somebody creepy is hanging out outside of your, you know, within, without eyeshot of the, uh, of the door. And the amazing thing is that I get this camera and it also has a rear camera also and put it in very easy. It's called a next base camera, UK, great UK company. And it uses this processor. I'm driving along in Glendale, Arizona. I see somebody running across the street. I pull into the auto parts store and I'm wit witnessing a drug deal or I, I'm not allowed to say drug deal. Okay. I, some, a Facebook marketplace. <laughs> yes. I, some, <laughs> some marketplace. <laughs> And there were five people. There were three lookouts. Actually, no, there were two lookouts. A, you know, a backstop, they call him. You know, and he was armed. The gentleman that was carrying the cash, and then ultimately the gentleman who's the mule that got the goods and started walking off. I recorded everything. Let's talk more about that, because I've been in the market for one, but anyways, we'll... We'll save the recommendations and all that other stuff because we're not getting the cut of it, so we'll have that conversation off air. Uh, <laughs> so you, we, you mentioned thermal imaging to me in the, I think it was the email or the, the Twitter, I don't know, I wrote it down in my notes because I wanted to talk about it. And I'm always interested in change of temperature because I believe, right, wrong, or indifferent, that when paranormal activity happens, there's a temperature change. So the thermal imaging always excites me when I hear about it. And then, oh goodness, it was a couple years ago, uh, FLIR came out with an adapter for your iPhone. And I'm like, that, that's, I mean, compared to the big bulky system, we're headed the right direction. So tell me what you think. Yes, Am I totally one. off my base? No, no. Here, you are absolutely spot on. The unfortunate thing is uh, the FLIR one, it's very much out of its time. FLIR... Uh, FLIR got purchased by Teledyne. Really, FLIR is an absolutely amazing company. I mean, from the ability for to see a cigarette butt from a helicopter uh, during the Boston manhunt. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, this is this is a great company. The uh, they do have a they did have a partition between a consumerized product and an industrial product. So that is, that is waning. So in other words, you're starting to see really, really great thermal imagers that can be used for consumer applications. And some of the paranormal scientists are actually using it right now. And what's really great, and you're spot on, with the temperature cooling effect, you know, in a detection scenario to the point where it actually, you can, you can actually see a form and they, you've seen this in, on some TV shows. They're actually quite accurate. This, this is a very, very normal detection scheme, uh, used in thermal imaging. And in fact, in COVID detection, thermal imaging saved a lot of lives. So a lot of people don't realize, but the uh, quote unquote fever temperature detection scans were actually were done extremely accurate through the use of a visible light camera and a thermal camera. Visible light camera would locate your inner eyelid location, and then the thermal imaging camera only needed about four pixels to detect the accurate temperature. So once it located where your where the temperature was, where the uh, in a, the eyelid corner is, it could tell instantly whether you had a fever. Absolutely wonderful. 
Four pixels. So, I, just, I just drew four little dots on my my notes that I have over here. Four no, pixels. this is you're spot on. So think about this. I'm thinking about this, and it's blowing my mind, which isn't good. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, it is good because you're happening on one thing that's going to change paranormal investigating and the same thing that actually saved lives in an event that uh, I helped architect, which was Super Bowl Live in Houston. And uh, I think somebody was having a heart attack and they were on the ground in the middle of a con concert, Solange Knowles concert. And imagine everybody standing, but somebody on the ground, the only type of device that could detect that. Well, LiDAR could detect it, but really thermal imaging because you could clearly see if somebody, you know, everyone is standing up, but there's one warm object and it's a person that's lying on the ground. This is, that's a life-saving thing. So in the same, the same way, you know, the difference in temperature around the person being whatever you're detecting can tell shapes, even predict uh, where it's going, but it's just a great sensor that's going to uh, be able to give you that much more accuracy in detection. Okay, so I, I've got a very specific question from Cat Ward here in the, on the Duck Pond, because she's a paranormal investigator and podcaster, and, and you mentioned audio earlier, how we're kind of just now kind of starting to get into that, and of course there's the EVPs, the electronic voice phenomenon, and we're t I was telling you about my horrible um, show note thing, but we're, I mean, there's obviously going to be a technology that somebody like her or me or anybody else can submit their audio to to find these electronic voice phenomenon and correct? I mean, we're going to be yeah. down that road. I mean, somebody's probably already working on tonight saying, shut up, I don't want anybody else getting that idea. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one idea that has happened, and it actually happened uh, in January, January 22, uh, at CES, the launch of a neural network device or a neural network application that doesn't just do noise reduction. What it does is noise, and there's a very, very uh, specific specific thing, it's noise detection, so you have, uh, they call it sound and audio classification, so in real time, they're able to detect what we used to call the noise floor, which is the reason that you can't hear EVP, our ears can't hear something that was very, that was whispered or something like that, but because the noise floor has consumed it and it can't be classified except when you play it back and take out the noise. The reality is that taking out the noise also takes out some of that signal-to-noise ratio and essentially flattens your audio and makes it far more difficult to clean as they say, clean up the audio. What AI in noise or anomaly, what they call noise and anomaly detection and source separation. So in other words, somebody is shooting off a gun, somebody is yelling at the same time, and uh, there are police outside. You can actually isolate the firearm discharge and determine the caliber of the weapon so that the first responders can actually know what they're dealing with if they're dealing with automatic weapons or, you know, a paintball gun. In the same way, EVP will be far more easily recognized. So this has happened. 
So at the show, we actually took the time to do a live demonstration at this company called Femtosense. Really amazing company. That's and uh, you can, you know, spell my last name correctly: S U R F A R O, and then Femtosense, and the interview will come up, and you'll actually be able to to hear how the noise gets eliminated from the background of the consumer electronics show. And, and it literally, it's like listening to the person talk in a quiet room. Yeah, it is see, not noise cancellation. I'm going to say that's a great thing for me as a podcaster and, and a paranormal investigator. Like, that's a win-win. <laughs> like, this, this is going to change everything. Now, a problem. The, our privacy regulations here in the United States are going to fight tooth and nail to prevent this technology from becoming mainstream. Because there is tech, in fact, there's an Israeli tech uh, that allows you to isolate a, you know, much like a parabolic microphone can, but essentially digitize it and use object detection so you can tell if it's a person and just listen to that one person. Now, obviously, the privacy advocates go absolutely bonkers. They don't like that and all this. Meanwhile, it could be life-saving. Meanwhile, it could be fun. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can hear your, your baby screaming and you can play it in full volume, crisp and clear, for your neighbors that you don't like, you know? So. <laughs> oh, Steve, we've got about three minutes left. Uh, you've got a short promo for yourself, so give it to me now. Oh, uh, at Steve Surf, that's S-T-E-V-E, S as in Steve, U-R-F, like as in the surfboard, Steve Surf. And that's my Twitter handle, uh, and um, that's my... Actually, at Steve Safaro is my Instagram, but stick with Twitter. You'll find that'll be the gateway to all of my publications, you know, the technology focus. Uh, check back with me at that Twitter. After January, January 5th, which is going to be when I do my full review of the latest technology at CES. I was going to say, I was just looking at my... Uh my guest list, and I'll have you back on in February because, well, you just mentioned your January, but I'm kind of booking up in January anyways, but February, because I, yeah, I just realized, I just realized we have not talked once, well, we talked about Elon, but we haven't talked about space yet at all, and there's so yeah. much technology and all this other stuff that goes with all that, and well, you know, important stuff, so I'm sure, and plus the new technology coming out, we're just like, ah! <laughs> I'm glad to have you on, Steve, yeah. first and foremost. So, oh, it's absolutely wonderful. Okay, but um, you've you've listened to the Vince Jenna and the many other shows, and you know this question's coming. What do you eat for breakfast? <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> but what I eat for breakfast is now a great regimen. It's allowing me to lose weight, and it is five eggs with Tillamook sharp cheddar cheese and sweet sliced ham baked in the air fryer. Ooh, that's a new one. And I share it with my Westie, a great high-protein diet. Man, you're on fire. Well, Steve, hey, like I said, I appreciate you, and I appreciate the Twitter stuff and the emails, and so keep all that up, because I'm always excited to see good stuff, and uh, we'll get you back on in February. And me as well. You, you guys have a great podcast. Great. Thank you. Great guests. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yep. Oh, oh, just hung up on him. That's okay. Now, if Germantown Runner would be, was here, he'd be wondering if I'm going to hit the post. Of course I'm going to hit the post. Um, I missed him tonight, but that's okay. So we've got about 30 seconds left. I need to make sure I get something out there. In the coming weeks, you're going to see, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to do a series of shows with the family in, in December. My son's going to co-host the show. My daughter's going to co-host the show. My wife's going to co-host the show. And then we're going to do a live call-in show together, me and my wife, to sum up the month. But hopefully it all works in the order it's supposed to. Depending on guests, it might not. But we'll see. 
Um, and also coming soon. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.